I'll give a wave like this just to let you know that that joke is over. I misbehave on stage, but I'm better than when I wasn't sober. Okay, so uh, I've sobered up. There's still some blackouts. And uh, I worked in hymens and survived tornadoes and trailers. But that don't mean I won't put in my two weeks later. Having a good time, baby. Having a good time, baby. We're having a real good time. We're having a good time, baby. Having a good time, baby. I'll tell you one more time. Oh yeah, we're having a good time. Yeah, we're having a good time. Okay, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the We're Having a Good Time podcast. My name is Dusty Slay. I'm your host. And what a great day! It's Wednesday, November fourth, I believe. It's a great day. We're having a good time. Uh, life's good. I've been home for a couple of days after doing a weekend. Where we've been, where we're going. Where they going? Where they been? Where they going? Where, where they been? Where we're going? Where we've been? After doing a weekend in Columbus, Ohio at the Funny Bone. What a great time. I told you last week that in 2015, I auditioned for uh, a guy named Dave Stroop who books the Funny Bones and Improvs in kind of the Southeast and the Midwest. And uh, it was at a time when I was considering going back to being a pesticide salesman. And then he gave me 11 weekends on the spot. And how that club really um, started a lot of things for me. So I, was, I finally got to go back. Five years later, I got to go back and headline. So nothing comes quick. People that are expecting things to happen so fast and everybody always wants everything to happen fast. They want it now. They want the best pay. They want the best gigs. They want the best everything and they want it now. Well, it doesn't work like that. Sometimes it does. Those people get lucky. But for the rest of us, we have to work. We have to put in the work. We have to work hard. And, you know, I've I've been... Um, my friend Evan Burke uh, has moved in with me for a short time. He's going to be living here while he looks for a place to live in Nashville. And Evan has the WWE Network, and we watch that online. We'll go and watch, you know, some classic matches, you know. And what's amazing to me is that we will watch some really old matches, and we'll see the other night we watched this one match was between someone – and a wrestler named Stunning Steve Austin. The same Steve Austin that people now know as Stone Cold Steve Austin. A guy with a completely shaved bald head, redneck guy, talks loud, drinks, beats everybody up. He's the best, one of the most popular wrestlers of all time. Well, in this, he was named Stunning Steve Austin. He talked the same, but he had blonde hair. And he was not the popular wrestler that everyone knows. He was not. He, he, had, he had all he had everything there to make him that. So he could argue, well, I could have been Stone Cold back then. But he wasn't. It took time. It took time to find his voice, so to speak. Last night we watched one with The Rock, who was still being called Rocky Maivia at the time with the uh, Nation of Domination. He got beat in the ring by Ken Shamrock. The audience was booing him. They were like, Rocky sucks. Rocky sucks. And he's probably now the most popular wrestler of all time. Made the best transition from um, wrestler to actor that anyone ever has. Um. Wearing shirts way too tight for him now, um, but uh, and Joe Biden calls him DJ, but uh, I don't know if you guys saw that. That was hilarious. The Rock's endorsing uh, Joe Biden, and Joe Biden goes, "It's DJ," and I'm like, "DJ? Who calls him DJ?" But it's Dwayne Johnson. But anyway, the point is, these guys. It took time. It took time to get to where they're at. And they did it. And it's just amazing to see because I'm like, wow, they were the most popular wrestlers. Like late in my years in high school, when I got into the WWF, which later became WWE, um, 
that was the, I mean, that was the time. The Rock, Stone Cold, Vince McMahon. I mean, that was uh, quite the time of wrestling. And those guys weren't always that. So I got to go to the Columbus Funny Bone. I got to headline. I took Aaron Weber. We just did two-man show. Aaron did about 20 minutes. I did about an hour each night. Um, the, the audience was um, socially distanced. We had a very limited capacity that was allowed to get in there. They had plexiglass in between the sections. It felt like we were doing comedy at a hockey rink. But, man, was I happy to be back there. I mean, we got very close. I mean, even even Saturday was like Halloween and an, uh, the biggest Ohio State football game of the year. And we still had great turnouts. We had a lot of fun. It's a great time. I appreciate the people that I got to meet, the people that I got to see. Uh, my friends John and Shannon England, very strong names. They came out. Uh, they had first come to see me in Lexington, Kentucky. And uh, they were like, we drove down from Columbus to see you. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. I appreciate you guys doing that. And I'll be in Columbus in a few weeks. So they came back and they brought their family. And then they left real fast after the show. And I thought, oh, no, they didn't like it. They didn't like the show the second time around. But turns out they did. And we communicated on Instagram and we went to lunch at a taco place. And uh, it was really good. I enjoyed talking to them. They're listeners of the podcast. So thank you, John and Shannon. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you for coming to the show. Thank you for buying me lunch. And I hope to see you guys again. And then there was another couple, Blake and Hillary Edwards. Um, I don't know if all these people want me shouting their full names out. Sorry about that, guys. But um, they uh, came to two shows, two shows on Friday night. They're also listeners of the podcast, friend of a friend, Taylor Williams, here in Nashville, a great comic here in Nashville. Um, they came. They're also listeners of the podcast. They had very nice things to say, and I appreciate you guys. And they stayed for two shows, and they pretended like they liked them both, and that's what I'm talking about. And it's great. I appreciate you guys. I got to see my old friend Peter Swartz. Me and Peter used to do comedy together in Charleston. I've told this story maybe before, but I'd like to tell it again. And I don't want to say this to criticize anybody else in this competition, but the Charleston stand-up comedy competition used to take place in Charleston every year at Theater 99. And in 2009, I finished third in the competition, and I was, um, uh, it was you know, it was pretty awesome. And then in 2010, I think I didn't make it to the finals at all. And then in 2011, I won for the first time. And then in 2012, I won again. The first comic, by the way, the first comic to ever win the competition two years in a row. Um, and then after that, Jeremy McClellan ended up winning it two years in a row. But I won it. I was the first to win it two years in a row. And they made a rule after that that you could only win it two years in a row and then you could no longer re-enter. Personally, I think that I should have been able to re-enter until someone could beat me. But I'm fine with it. So in 2013, I believe it was, um, I was asked to be a judge of the comedy competition. And um, I said, okay. I said I would do it. And I wish that I hadn't, but I said I would. And then I had two other judges, someone from uh, the have-nots group and someone from the Charleston City Paper. Both of these people had ties to certain comics in the contest. And I had ties to all of the comics in the contest, so I'm not trying to put them in a place. I was friends with all of them because I ran, um, a, <clears throat> I ran a, uh, an open mic at Big Gun Burger uh, owned by a guy named Austin. And Austin texted me the other day and told me that I should call him next time I'm talking about Big Gun. And I would like to, but I got a lot going on on this podcast. This is going to be a hot podcast. Strap in. I got some good stories I want to tell. This is going to be a good podcast. And uh, so I get off on these tangents, though, and sometimes I forget that I'm even trying to do these other stories. I get off on these tangents, but the point, I'm, I'm going to go with it. So I was running the best open mic in Charleston. Some people would argue that it wasn't the best, but those people would be wrong. And it was the best. And the thing that I got to do is I sat right next to the stage 
and I would have 20 to 30 comics on stage every week at Big Gun, and I would listen to their sets. I heard everything that they had to say. I got to know them really well. I knew their jokes. I knew when they were doing well. I knew when they weren't doing well. I knew who the best comics in town were. I knew who the worst comics in town were. I knew who I could make fun of and who could have a good time with it, and I knew who would be sensitive about it. I got some comics quit comedy because of me, I think. But I'm not sad about it. Some of them needed to quit comedy. Um, and I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I used to have, I, I wish that I got to run an open mic now. There's, now that I'm a headliner, in a sense, there's restrictions on what kind of comedy I can do in cities and whatnot. And I wish that I could run an open mic because I really enjoy that aspect of it. I got to know everyone. I got to know what they were doing. And so this, I'm not going to give anyone's name away except for Peter Schwartz. Um, now, Peter Schwartz was fairly new. Like, he had been doing it a couple of years, but in comedy, that's fairly new. And he had made it to the finals. And in the finals, there's five or six people. And he was going against people that had all been doing comedy longer than him. Two of the comics in this competition were, you know, local favorites. They were very fun and pe funny people, and they were two of my best friends. They were unbelievably funny comics. Some would say they were the best comics in town, um, you know, except for me, haha. <laughs> and uh, but uh, some would say that though. Some would say actually the two of them we had a group. The three of us had a group. I'm just gonna say it's me, Tim, and Jason. All right, those guys, Tim Heckle, Jason Gross, very funny comics. We had a group one time called Strictly Business. We were never very good at coming up with names. But we had a group, and what we would do, we would be given a show at Theater 99. They would give us roughly 30 minutes. So we would come out, and we would each do about five minutes of stand-up. So we would each come out, do a five-minute set, get the audience into what we're doing, and then for the next 15 minutes, we would get words from the audience, and then the three of us would separately make up a joke about that word on the spot. It was very funny because those jokes were almost always failures, but since the audience had already seen us be funny, they really enjoyed watching us fail. And then every once in a while, one of those jokes we would come up with would be a huge hit, and then it would get a really loud applause, and people really appreciated that. So these guys were two of my best friends. Still are my friends, but, you know, that's I haven't been in Charleston in uh, six years. So... And, you know, it's tough, to keep, it's tough to keep in touch with people the way that you'd like to. I mean, we all want to be like, he, I mean, I was talking to a friend recently, and he was telling me about several friends he talks to every week. And I'm like, geez, dude, like, I don't know. I can't do it. It's tough for me to do. I mean, I'm just like, I don't have that many new things to tell people. All right, so this competition's going on. Peter Schwartz is in the finals against two of my best friends. And then I want to say another one of my best. I, I want to say Evan Burke was in the finals too. Another one of my best friends. I mean, and it was um, it was an unbelievable lineup. And you know, if you're looking at it from the surface, seeing as how new Peter Schwartz was to the scene, uh, I don't think anyone was really giving Peter a chance to win this thing. Right? Not that he wasn't good. Not that he wasn't funny. But he was new. Right? He was new. His stage presence wasn't all there, and, um, you know, and, the, and this is the big stage. This is the big competition. This is the finals. Nerves play a factor when you're, when, you're, when you're doing this. And I'm watching. I'm watching with someone from the city paper, with someone from the have-nots. The people from the city paper and the people from the have-nots, they're friends with Tim and Jason, very close friends with Tim and Jason. Jason, Tim and Jason are, are, are the expected winners. Everyone's already made up their mind. It's either going to be Tim or Jason, right? And I'm watching the show. Tim has a good set. Jason has a good set. And then Peter comes out, and Peter lays the hammer down. I mean, he crushes it. I was like, whoa, that's unbelievable. So I said, Peter has won it. In my mind, Peter's the winner. So we go back and we go to deliberate and the person from the city paper is pretty drunk 
And neither of these judges are hearing my Peter Swartz argument at all. Neither of them want to hear it at all. Actually, one of them told me, to me, it's just about who makes me laugh. What made me laugh? And now, based on body of work, yeah, I mean, I think Tim or Jason would have been the winner if we're basing this on body of work. But to me, a contest is not based on body of work. It's based on what's happening in that scenario. So we ended up voting for, I think we voted for Jason because we had to have a unanimous vote. And I'm not saying Jason's not hilarious, but on that night, Peter Swartz won that competition. So Jason got the vote from the judges, and then the audience was split between Tim and Jason, right? So that's where sometimes people differ with me. They say, well, you say Peter was so funny, but the audience still voted for Tim and Jason. And I'm like, well, they split the vote. I think how great would have been Peter won the judges' vote. The audience vote was split between Tim and Jason. It would have been. It would have said, "Hey, Matt, wow, this competition was tough tonight." But anyway, I like to say that. I like for Peter to hear it because Peter's still doing comedy. And it was nice to hang with him. The problem sometimes hanging with me at a show is I go because he, he came to the first show, right? So I go on stage, I talk for an hour, and then I come off and I start selling merch and I talk to people that were at the show. And then, and then I sit and I talk to Peter, and then I got to go up and talk another hour. Sometimes I just never stop talking, and my, 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 my voice just gets weary. So that's that. Um, I'm still talking about Columbus. I, I met up with an old friend that I grew up with, Brian Renfro. We used to get babysat as kids. It's great seeing him, great hanging with him. He's got a wife. He's got kids now. We used to hang together. I got a great story, but I can't say that it involves him. So I'll, I may tell it today. I may tell it another time. But it was great hanging with him. We went out. We had a cigar. We, were, we went and had a cigar at this place. I forget the name of it in, in Columbus. And the guy let us hang an extra 30 minutes. Columbus was on lockdown, by the way. They couldn't sell alcohol after 10. Most places had to shut down at 10. And we, we got to talking to the cigar shop guy running it, and he let us hang for an extra 30 minutes. And then as I was leaving, he told us while we were there that he had just finished with chemo. And, uh, and then he said, because he had brain, brain cancer, and I was like, hey, congrats on, you know, completing chemo. And he goes, I'll have to go back, but, you know, it could be worse. <laughs> and it's like, dang, man, I dig his attitude, but it can't get much worse than brain cancer, I don't think. And that's sad. But we had a good time. He was in good spirits. And then, um, so I think that, oh, yeah. And then I want to give a shout-out to uh, FamilyWoodWorksLLC.com. Is it LLC or LLS? It makes sense that it'd be LLC, but, yeah, it is LLC. I wrote LLS. Uh, FamilyWoodWorksLLC.com. They made me these wood magnets magnets that you can see on my Instagram. They engraved them, and then they made magnets for me. If you're looking to get yourself something wood engraved, they're not a sponsor. I don't have any sponsors. I don't make any money to do this podcast. Um, but if you're looking for some magnets like that, or even any kind of woodwork, they're supposed to send me some coasters now, and I'll, I'll, I'll put those out there too. Um, you know, do it. Order from them. And then a guy, I don't know his name, but a guy came up to me before my show, my first show on Friday, and he took the hat off his head. He had a camouflage, and I put this on Instagram too, a camouflage Goodyear hat with a fish hook on it. And he said, uh, you got such good hat game, I got to give you this hat. And he gave me the hat right off his head. And I wore it yesterday to Lowe's. And I felt good. I went into Lowe's, no mask, with a propane tank. I bought some propane tank and, a, and some lights and a bucket. And uh, felt good. Felt good. It's free out here, man. Be free. Breathe the air. I voted. I don't post, I voted stickers, and I don't talk about who I vote for, but I voted, and I waited in line without a mask. And because uh, uh, we were outside, I'm breathing air. I got to breathe. I love, something you, you, you should know about me, I love oxygen. 
All right, so that's where I've been. And now where am I going? I'm going to the Grove in Lowell, Arkansas this weekend. I'm going to be doing a show on Thursday, Friday, and then two on Saturday. And I'm going to take Chance Willie and Evan Burke with me, but I already have features and an and uh, opener uh, feature Linda Stoner from Houston, Dallas, Texas. Very nice lady. Uh, but I'm going to take Chance Willie and Evan Burke with me. They're going to do a showcase on Thursday night and on Friday night. So we got six shows coming up. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to cruise together. We're going to take a road trip, the three of us, and then we're going to stay in a cabin. We're going to do guys weekend in a cabin and out in the woods, and it's going to be a good time. I'm predicting cigars, CBD, just a good time. Just a couple of dudes hanging out in a cabin. A few dudes, you know, and uh, it's going to be a wild time. I'd like to get some, some uh, you know, some beef jerky. Nothing like a bunch of men sitting in a room eating jerky, you know, smoking cigars, eating jerky. As many men things as we can put in there. Maybe we'll burn a tire. That's what I'd like to do. You ever burned a tire? Jeez. One time I was, when I was living in a trailer park, um, we used to build fires all the time. We used to have all this pine straw. We had so many pine trees that you would rake up all this pine straw and it's like, we're trying to grow grass out here. We're not trying to have a sand farm. So we would pile up all this pine straw and we would just burn it. But for some reason, we had all these old tires laying around out there. And one time I was like, you know, they say don't burn a tire, but I want to know why. And so I threw a tire on this fire. And oh my gosh. I mean, this was the thickest, blackest smoke I've ever seen. The fire department showed up. They were like, you can't do that, man. You can't burn a tire. And I'm like, I just did. And uh, we, had to, we had to take it off and we had to uh, put it out. It was tough to put out too, but man, people were freaking out about that. I was like, hey, trying to speed up global warming here. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to, I'm trying to eradicate winter. But I used to burn all sorts of things. I mean, it is fun to burn stuff. I love burning things. I used to burn like styrofoam and I used to, you know, I love to burn everything. You ever burn a lighter? Oh man, it like, once it catches on fire, it like flies out of the thing. We used to burn everything. I love burning stuff. And, um, but you know, maybe we'll start a fire. There used to be a hot tub out there. I think the hot tub's gone. That's a shame. Me and Evan one time, actually, uh, when I was in LA uh, and Evan was living there, he came to visit me and I was like, hey, there's a hot tub here. And we just went out and sat in the hot tub, did some CBD out there. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I love a hot tub. Love just sitting in a hot tub. One time I was in a hot tub at a hotel, and there was no one around in this hotel. The thought crossed my mind. I was like, it's indoors, but I was like, I bet I could have a cigar in here right now while sitting in this hot tub, and no one would even know. And then all of a sudden, another dude came in there. This dude comes into the, the pool room where I'm at, just sitting in the hot tub, and I think, you know, because this is what I would do. If I came to the hot tub and there was another dude in there, I'd just be like, that's a bummer, but I'm going to move on. But this guy just came and got in. And then I had to sit there for long enough to make it look like I wasn't getting out because he got in, but I had to get out. All right, but I'll be going to the Grove. It's going to be a lot of fun. Come there, Northwest Arkansas, Lowell, Arkansas. If you're in the area, come see a show. Uh, even if you have to drive a, an hour or two, just do it. It's going to be a lot of fun. TV sucks, man. There's nothing to watch. Um, you know, football, so it's a weird year for football. It's a weird year for sports. Just cancel your plans. Come to the show. My Facebook got hacked yesterday. Well, it's stuff started happening on Sunday night or Monday night. I don't know what was going on. Uh, I started getting these emails that people were trying to hack me. And I, so I went in, I changed all my passwords. I thought that I was all good. And then Tuesday morning I woke up and I was looking at my Facebook and I got a notification that Dusty Slay had gone live. So I clicked on the live feed and there's some Vietnamese lady sitting there yelling in Vietnamese, and that's how I knew she was Vietnamese. The only Vietnamese people, I grew up around a lot of Asian people. And I mean, in my, the trailer park I grew up in, there was a lot of people from Laos, Laotian people. 
and they were my friends. They were young kids my age. Like the school bus would stop there, and I would get on the bus with all the Laotian kids, and then we would go pick up my friend Brian Renfro, who I talked about earlier. And um, so, and then I used to work at Office Depot for a little while, and th- this guy, this Vietnamese guy that uh, ran a uh, a nail salon, he came in to buy a bunch of computer chairs, and this guy would be like he. Like the Vietnamese language to me seems, uh, it seems angry. Uh, I mean, maybe I'm not as clear as I think I am, but I I think I am. It seems angry. I don't think the guy was mad, but he was like, we had a, he ordered a bunch of chairs. So I had to go and load them up on his truck, but he wanted to configure how to best get these chairs in the back of his truck. So he would light up a cigarette and just smoke while we were loading chairs. And, uh, So this lady, she was an attractive lady, and she was selling purses. She was yelling about purses and selling them on my live stream. I wish I had taken a picture of it, but I was just like, I was a little bit panicked. I was like, oh, no. I was like, I got to get this fixed. You know, because I had credit card information in there where I could buy ads and stuff for Facebook, like because I would sponsor videos to try to get people to watch them so that they would come, you know, because with Facebook, you can target. I can put a video online. I can pay a little money and I can target it to whatever town I'm going to. And then, you know, people in that town can see the video and go, hey, I'd like to come see that guy or, hey, let's definitely not go see that guy. So I got a little panicked and then I went on and I saw that I had had a bunch of logins from like Indonesia and then one said that my my preferences had been switched to like Vietnam. And then I went on and looked under the admins and it's like there was a bunch of other admins on there. And I was still an admin, so I was trying to delete those admins. And then all of a sudden it just said, you've been removed as an admin. <laughs> and then that's it. And then the page was just gone. I've got my management has got some some social media people that are on it trying to check it out, trying to find it. But that thing's just gone, man. They just swooped in and just took my Facebook page. I don't even have that many followers. Like, I'm not ashamed of my amount of followers on Facebook. I never really care about those things anyway. But I don't have that many. You know, it's like, oh, you could have hacked a better account. And, uh, yeah, they just took that thing. I kind of hope like a car, you know, like a stolen car, I hope they find the page and they're like, we found it, but that thing is wrecked. (laughs) And that way I could just delete it and start over. I'd like to just start over on a Facebook page. I think I had 13,000 followers on there. I'd just like to start over. Let's do a fresh one. You know what I mean? I mean, I think everything got hacked. I don't know what's happening. I changed all my passwords. I did all these different things, but it's not bummed me out at all, but it just made me realize how stupid everything is. Like, why do I even have these social media pages? It's all so stupid, and I'm just like, I want to delete them all. You know, the only one I really like, I like Instagram. I think Instagram's a lot of fun. I do like TikTok because I like posting videos on there, but Instagram's my favorite. The only reason I like TikTok is because I get like 100,000 views on a video, and that feels good. But it's all stupid. I mean, if I can just get hacked and it can just get stolen from me like that, and then Facebook doesn't even care. They're not even trying to help me get it back. So I tried to report it, and they kept saying that the report button was like broken or whatever. And they were like, try back later. So I just kept trying. And then they put up a message that says, you're doing this too many times. I'm like, well, I mean, just accept it. Accept that I've submitted it. So so that happened. So I got hacked. And uh, since Halloween just passed, I wanted to tell a Halloween story. This story is about drinking. It's a little gross, I guess, a little sexual a little, uh, you know, illegal activity going on here. This is back in more of my heathenist, heathenistic days. But I just want to talk about it because I think it's fun. It's one of my best, it's one of my best, um, I don't know, hero stories, I guess you'll say. I got to make up some names here. So let me write down these names I'm going to make up. Let's say Matt is the guy. And let's say uh, Renee is the girl. Okay, so I'll write these down. These are not their names. 
but their names both start with these letters. Um, and um, so I had been working at Hyman's, and Renee was working there too. And Renee always seemed like she had the hots for me. But Renee always had a boyfriend. But she always seemed like she had the hots for me. And I had a thing for her. But we never did anything because she always seemed like she had a boyfriend. Well, she always had a boyfriend. And then uh, me and uh, my friend Matt, we were great friends. Me and him, we used to drink together all the time. He was my best alcoholic friend. Meaning that we could drink together and not embarrass each other. And that's a beautiful thing and a dangerous thing when it comes to a drinking partner. Because, like, I used to drink with my friend Joey. I had my friend from Opelika. And me and Joey would go out. And Joey was, Joey is not an alcoholic. He's uh, one of the most um, self-disciplined men I've ever known. He can have a couple of drinks and be fine. He can do, you know. And so me and Matt would just get wasted together. And there's no I mean, I've been in a bar. I remember being in this bar one time. It was still daytime out, I'm pretty sure. Me and him were so wasted in there, and this girl starts, I don't know if it was a girl or a guy, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but they start like, start trash talking us, you know, because we get loud, we're annoying. We're like, we're like everybody in that bar's friend until we've had too many. And then they're like, they try to get us to calm down and we're like, and it like amps us up that they're trying to cool us down. Oh, what I wanted to say about Joey. Joey would have this thing where he would kind of do his, his hands across his throat, almost like cut it out. And he'd just, he'd just look at me and he'd go, hey. And I would see him do that and I'd be like, okay, cool. But when people are like, calm down, you need to settle down. I get fired up. And me and Mike, we got fired up. And I remember throwing a bunch of coasters at some people <laughs> inside this bar probably still daylight out. They're talking trash to me, and I just threw a bunch of coasters. And we got kicked out, and then we went to this gas station, and we go in and we buy stuff in the gas station. And then for whatever reason, we're, like, in the parking lot, and I'm standing on the roof of the car yelling. And then the, uh, and the gas station attendant has to come out, and he kicks us out of the gas station parking lot. So I don't know if you've ever been kicked out of a gas station parking lot before, but I have. And uh, we laughed about it. I mean, it, so this is the kind of stuff we were up to. We, w we were kicked out of so many bars, banned from a couple, and we didn't care. I mean, we would get kicked out of one bar and just laugh our way into the next one, right? So one night, I mean, this is probably, we're talking probably 2006. Uh, I would say that's about right, 2006. We dress up. Now, I'm ashamed of my costume. And I'm going to tell you what it is, and you'll know why I'm ashamed of it because of what I've been talking about over the last couple of podcasts. But I had long hair at the time, and I had a goatee, and I had these suits that someone had given me. They were hand-me-down suits. They never really fit that good. I never needed a suit. So I just thought, well, this is a fun time. I put on a suit, and I dressed as, and I'm ashamed to say it, but the devil, okay? And then Mike dressed as a demon. So he was my, so what we did was we, I painted my face completely red, my arms red, my hands red, and then I had the suit and the long hair. And then Mike, who was bald, or uh, Matt, I'm calling him by his real name now, and I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but uh, Matt, who was, uh, who was completely bald, uh, we had glued a couple of little horns on him and painted his whole head red and his face and his arms. And I, I want to say we did his whole upper body red, potentially. He was pretty fit. And uh, so we go out. We go out to a bar for a little while, and then we find out about a party. So we go to this party, and there's a bunch of, uh, there's a bunch of Hyman's people there at the party. And then uh, Renee is there, and Renee is dressed as a schoolgirl. And I'm like, this is very attractive to me. And Renee informs me at the party that her and her boyfriend have broken up. And I was like, well, well, well. So me and Renee are making out in the bathroom. We're making out in there. She's in a schoolgirl outfit, and I'm painted all up. I'm painted red. And then, um, and then so we come out of the bathroom. I guess none of us look in the mirror, and I guess I don't even. I'm pretty drunk. 
and I don't even look, but her face, it has like red around her face where she's been making out with me. So everybody knows what we've been up to. And probably her clothes has red on it from where I've had my hands on her clothes. And uh, so it's gotten wild and we've taken Matt's car. So me and Renee decide that we want to get out of there. We're done with the party. We're ready to head you know, to my house. And Renee lives pretty close in the area, but for some reason we decided to go to my house. So we get in the car. I'm driving, Renee's in the passenger seat, Matt's in the back. It's Matt's car, but he's in the back. And um, we start driving. And I, you know, and I'm unfamiliar with the neighborhood that we're in, but we're driving. And we turn down this one street and then there's a bunch of dudes like in the street and they start waving at me trying to get me to stop. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't know what this is about. I don't know if they want to fight, but I'm not stopping. And once I pass those dudes, there's a cop coming down the street in his car. And I realized at that moment that I had gone the wrong way down a one-way street. And me and the cop had to, like, go around each other to get off of that one way. So I'm like, this guy's definitely going to come and try to pull me over. So I just took an immediate right. And this is what I had, you know, this is what me and my friends used to always talk about. We would always talk about if you ever get pulled over, do this. So I took an immediate right and I pulled over and I said, get out of the car. So I got out of the car. I took the keys with me. Renee gets out of the car. And Matt decides that he's going to lay down in the back seat. He's not going to get out. So me and Renee, we take a walk. Now, we're still in our Halloween costumes. We decide we're going to take a walk down this one street. So we walk back the street we were just driving down. We just walk down that. And I walk for about a block. And then I say to her, I say, you know what? We're probably fine. Let's go ahead and walk back now. So we walk back. And the moment we take that right and turn that corner... The cop is sitting right next to the car we were just driving, and he has his light shining right on the car. So I just say to her, I'm like, just keep walking. Just keep walking. So we just walk right on by the car. And now I have the keys in my pocket. Matt's laying down in the back seat. The cop's looking right at the car. We just walk right past it. And we walk past it, and then Renee's like, I live pretty close to here. Let's just go to my house and get my car. I was like, okay, great. So we go to her house. We get her car. We're driving. She's driving. And I'm, I'm riding. Granted, I'm still painted red. I'm getting red paint all over her car. And, you know, we're, we're at this party. Now, keep in mind, we're at this party. We've been making out. And now we're like, let's get out of there. We're, we're, we're getting ready for an exciting experience here. We're going we're gonna to have a shared experience with each other. And we can't wait to do it. Now... We're on the run from the cops, and we're driving around. I'm getting red paint all over a car. I'm thinking for sure the mood's being killed. And then Matt calls us and says, where you guys at? He's like, I got out of the car. I'm walking. And we don't, so we find the car, but Matt's not in there. We can't find him. We don't know where he's at. Now, he's mad. You know, this is the same guy that I'm getting drunk with every day. Now, he's mad. He's furious. And he's gone walking. He's walked to the interstate now. So me and Renee are driving and we're driving up the on-ramp. Now this is a four, four lanes. We're going over a little bridge on interstate 26, leaving Charleston. And we see Matt on the, on the bridge on the other side of the interstate. And I go loop around. So she loops around, not thinking about we're on a one way on-ramp to the interstate. We cross three lanes of traffic with cars coming we have to whip it around again to face the right way. He gets in the car. He's furious. He's yelling at us. We're driving downtown. Me and him are fighting in the car. I'm like, dude, you're ruining this for me. I've had a thing for Renee for quite a while, and you're ruining this for me. And we get next to Marion Square Park in Charleston, and he goes, you want to let me out? Just let me out. So we slow down, and he gets out, and we drive off. And then we go uh, 
to my house on James Island, and whew, man, does it get wild. We had a great time, and uh, and because uh, little did I know that this excitement that we had had, this running from the cops, this thing that I did by escaping the police, was apparently a real turn on to her, and we had a great time. And and the next day I had to go to work and I was hung over and I was covered in red paint, but I felt good. I was like, I don't mind this at all. And that was my most favorite Halloween experience. Uh, I don't know if she ever got the red paint out of her car and uh, Matt forgave me. We found his car the next day. We actually couldn't find his car for a long time. We had no idea what street we had went down. And we did find it. And it was fine. And... But wow, what a good time. What a good time. So that's that story. I also wanted to say this. I was thinking about, for some reason, I was thinking the other day, I had never heard of a po' boy sandwich when I moved to Charleston. That's just not, not something that we ever had in Alabama. I never remember anywhere in Opelika having a po' boy, right? And I was so uncomfortable with it. I think I was working at Office Depot in Charleston when I first moved there. North Charleston, and I went to a Popeye's, and they had like a chicken po' boy or whatever, and I was like, I was so weird with the word. I think I actually said like poor boy. I was like, I don't know. I, 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 that's not how I speak. I don't speak like po' boy. I don't even know how to do that. And then, so I, I remember just being so uncomfortable with a po' boy sandwich, and... um. Yeah, and it's just like, it's not, I don't even understand what the name of it is. None of them are cheap. I don't understand where the name Po' Boy comes from. And then I went to this one place in Charleston when I first moved there. I was so uncultured about everything. I didn't know anything. And I'm not not even criticizing where I grew up. This was uh, specifically a me thing. I just, I mean, there were people that I grew up around that were more more cultured than me, more educated than me, more uh, privy to the ways of the world than me, but I was just living off in my own little world. You know, I, I had divorced parents and I was split. I was living at a trailer park half the time and then on a farm outside of Lafette, Alabama the other time. And I was just isolated. And then, so it's just was stuff I didn't know. And then um, uh, I went to this one shop, this sandwich shop, and the guy, I ordered a sandwich. They had, like, it was kind of a fancy sandwich. And he goes, do you want that on a baguette? And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> he said, you want that on a baguette? I was like, no, nah, I just put it on bread. You know what I mean? I'm just trying to have a sandwich. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> that cracks me up because I totally had that moment. He was like, you want that on a baguette? I was like, excuse me? Excuse me, bud? What'd you say? What'd you call me? And, um, oh, man, it was a great time. All right, I want to tell this other story. This is the, this is the more exciting story. I, don't, I shouldn't tell two stories on one podcast because what will I talk about next week? I'm going to make up a couple other names. I'm going to name uh, one guy Bryce. Uh, one guy I'll name um, uh, Tony. And one guy, let's see, what's a good A name? One guy I'll call Alan. That's a good A name. Good, solid Alan. So, Alan, Alan's granddad lived behind my mom. My mom, I was 18. I had just graduated high school, and I had, I was living, uh, I had not joined the Army yet. Now, granted, as if people listen to this, you know I never went to the Army, but I did join. So, I had not gone to the Army yet, or I had not joined yet. I was friends with Alan, I was friends with Tony, I was friends with Bryce, you know, we all hung out, you know, and, and we weren't never, I, I don't ever remember the four of us being like a real tight friend group, but for a small, small period of time, we were all hanging out a little bit together, and Alan, um, you know, Alan was doing various drugs, I'm not saying whether I did them with him or not, but I'm just saying he was doing various drugs, and but a very nice guy, very clean cut, very nice, very just uh, just a good all-around dude, except for all the criminal activity he was involved in. And then there was Tony. Tony was a guy that I had started hanging out with uh, just after high school. He was kind of a guy in high school that, 
he transferred and he was real country. He was from Tennessee. And I don't think a lot of people liked him at the time, but I did really like him. I, I really bonded with him in a way. And I just thought he was a fun dude. I liked hanging out with him. For some reason at the high school, people didn't like him, but people liked him elsewhere. We would go out. We would, you know, we would double date. We would hang out with women and stuff like that. And, and we had a really good time. He had a lawn care service that he owned for a while. And uh, that summer after high school, I'd go cut grass with him and he would like, you know, give me enough money for food and cigarettes for the day. And it was like, that's all I needed. I didn't have any rent. So I'd just go cut grass with him, make enough money to have some cigarettes and get some food. And I just do that every day. And we had a great time. And then, and then Bryce, uh, was a, you know, a guy I'd known for a long time. We all went to high school together. Now the three of them were all in the same grade. So they were all still seniors in high school and I had just graduated. So, you know, we were kind of hanging out and, and one day Alan's grandfather lived behind my mom and Alan had started to, apparently his grandfather had a lot of money in a briefcase. And I've told this story on the podcast before, but it's, I've been doing the podcast now for a couple of years. And so the story's a couple of years old. And back then the, I didn't have the listeners that I have now and the, uh, you know, the quality of the podcast wasn't as good. So, and, and maybe my storytelling ability wasn't as good. Uh, some, you know, maybe it was better. I don't know. But Alan had found out that his grandfather had a million dollars. This is what they tell me. Had a million dollars in a briefcase just sitting in his house. Now, I've never been a money-hungry person. I mean, when you grow up poor, I mean, to me, I just got, I learned to be satisfied with not having money. I didn't... I've always wanted to have a nice house. I wanted to have a nice car. I want the financial security that money brings, but I've not been money hungry, right? So it didn't really excite me all that much that his grandfather had that money. Plus, I've never been into stealing, right? But apparently he started to steal this money. And one day he came around the fence from his grandfather's house to my mom's house and he had a bunch of money in his hand. And he made the comment to me, I'll give you $100 if you'll help me count it. I was like, okay. It ended up being like two grand. I don't know why anybody would need help with that kind of money, but you just help counting that kind of money. But, you know, I think it's just one of those things where I got a bunch of money. I'm trying to give it away. I'm trying to make friends, which I never understood because I didn't feel like the guy needed help making friends. But it was just in him to do that. So this started happening. And then Bryce and Tony and Alan all really started to hang out. And this money really started flowing. The three of them really became buddies. And they would go and they would buy uh, hotels. They would buy these cheap hotels. I want to say this is the hotel that my, we had like one Indian guy at our school named Rinkish Patel and Rinkish was in my grade. I really liked Rinkish. I didn't know that his family owned the hotel until I went to get one there one time. And I was like, Oh, Rinkish. And I love this guy. I hope he's doing well. And, um, they would go, but he, it was a really ratty hotel. And so they would go and they, they said they would rent like three rooms, one that they could do drugs in, and then the other they could stay in and not have the drugs in the in the room. That way, if they get busted, uh, they wouldn't uh, the drugs wouldn't be in the room. Pretty genius plan, honestly. And I did go party with them a little bit. I think one night I went and partied with them at the hotel, but it seemed pretty shady. I mean, I'm I'm always down for a house party or something like that, but a hotel party a little shady for me. And so one night, I'm told they did get busted. The cops came. And they came to, I don't know what kind of record keeping they were doing at the hotel, but as the story I'm told goes, they busted the hotel room that they were staying in. But they didn't have any drugs in the room they were staying in. It was in a separate room. So um, they didn't find anything. So the next day they had to go back, though, and get their drugs. So they went to the hotel, and Alan's dad was there. And Alan's dad, they got into a fight. Alan's dad punched Tony in the face. And then Tony, who was a bit of a scrappy guy, punched him back a couple of times. And then Bryce apparently, uh, you know, held the guy and they punched him a guy. I don't think they, I don't think anybody was really beat up real bad. But then again, these are just stories that people are telling me, right? I don't know any of these to be true accounts, except for the ones that I was personally a part of. But then they like punched the guy a couple of times and then left the hotel, right? So, Alan's family issues were mounting. People were knowing what Alan was doing, and they were trying to put a stop to it, but they couldn't figure out how. 
And so this went on and on for a while. And I guess that they finally, um, now people, some people speculate because I told my mom, right? Now I'm an 18 year old. I don't go to my mom and go, let me tell you what's going on. But apparently I was just talking with her. My mom's always been super cool, super chill. I told her what was happening because I just thought it was a crazy story. And I was like, let me tell you about this. But my mom was dating a guy that was apparently friends with. Now, my mom says she never said anything. I don't know why she would lie about it all this time. But, um, you know, uh, I told her what was going on. I was like, this is crazy, huh? And apparently she told one of the people at the party. And I bet my mom, if she did tell, she says she didn't. But if she did, I bet my mom was the same way. This is crazy, huh? But apparently word got back around to the grandfather that that money was being stolen, so he secured it. I don't see the big problem here, but apparently, uh, and then this is other speculation, they were looking to take all of this money. So the way I see it is if I did tell my mom and my mom did tell, then I saved these three guys uh, prison time because that would have been prison time and their lives would have been ruined. Um, so... Uh, I don't know if she did or if she didn't, but if she did, uh, I'm happy that she did because she saved them all prison time, and I know that none of them are in prison now. Well, I know that two of them are not in prison. I don't know about one of them, but um, he likes some stuff on Facebook once in a while, but uh, that doesn't mean he's not in prison. I think they have. Uh, anyway, so as the story goes on, that, that gets forgotten. Apparently, that's all forgotten, but I am told this. I'm told that the guy potentially stole about $275,000. I don't know if that's true, but that's just some numbers that I heard, and I think that is a wild-ass story. So, later on down the line, I'm living with one of these guys. One of these guys is living with me. And this guy has had his car really souped up. Alan has given this guy, Tony, quite a bit of money. And Tony has put new rims on his car, new speakers in his car. He has a, an Isuzu Rodeo that he's driving, and he's living with me, living with me rent-free because we have a deal. I've been arrested since then, and I joined the Army, and then I got arrested, so I didn't get to go to the Army. And my driver's license got suspended for nine months, and I'm on two years of probation. So I'm living out in a trailer with no driver's license on probation just shortly after high school. So things are going well. And um, Tony's living with me. Tony's been kicked out of his house, and he's driving an Isuzu Rodeo with 17-inch rims, speaker system. He says, hey, I need a place to live. My lot, my lot rent was only 120 a month. He says, I need a place to live. Can I live with you? And I was like, all right, you know, you, yeah, you can live with me. And he was like, I'll, I'll live with you. I'll give you a ride every day to work. I'll pick you up every day. So our deal was, you know, that you do that. And it's like, you got to do that. You know, I was like, all right, that's fine. You can live here for free as long as you take me to work and pick me up every day. But you got to be there. Like, I can't, you can't have this deal and then you not be there. Like, I need, like, your rent is the ride. So he was on it. So what was great was I worked with a lot of hot chicks at, uh, at uh, Office Depot. They all went to college at Auburn, you know. So every night I'd get picked up by this guy in this SUV with a speaker system and rims. And I was like, this was, you know, this is the early 2000s back when that stuff was still cool. And uh, so I looked good. I was like, cool guy. Um, and, you know, it panned out. I, I ended up dating a girl from the Office Depot for a while. And... Uh, we had a good time. And so um, so one day we're all sitting at my trailer. We're playing games. We're playing video games and, you know, doing whatever. And Tony goes to the gas station. He rolls up to the gas station. Now, the part of town I lived on was a little bit of a redneck side of town, a little bit of a ghetto side of town. We got a little bit of everything going on there. But, but... Uh, Everything a little bit shady on the side of town I lived on. And it's a Friday night, I'm thinking, and, and Tony goes to the gas station. He drives his car, 
And he gets there, and there's a lot of people at the gas station. I mean, this gas station is is jumping. And I guess Tony wanted to impress everyone. So he left his car running with the speakers up, you know, beaten or whatever, whatever they call it. And he's just waiting in line to buy whatever he's going to buy, probably some cigars and whatnot. And some cigarettes, maybe some Newports. I don't know what he's getting, but he's just waiting in line. And he looks out the window and sees someone jump into his car. And he runs out. He said he made it to the passenger side of the car and put his hands up on it enough for the guy to make eye contact with him and smile at him and drive away. And I don't even think we had cell phones back then. Cell phones existed, but we might have had one. I don't know. So a little while later, you know, Tony comes back to the house and tells us what's happened. His car has just been stolen. The video game we're playing is Grand Theft Auto. I was like, well, this feels kind of inappropriate now. (laughs) And uh, yeah, his car got stolen. He reported it, but what do you, I don't even know how that panned out, but I, I, I let a couple of days go by. And then I was like, I was like, listen, I don't want to be insensitive to you, but our deal is that you'll give me a ride to work. How are you going to give me a ride to work if you don't have a car? <laughs> and he got it worked out. He did get a he did get a new car. And I don't even know how that all played out in the end. I don't know if somebody just kind of bought him out of that debt or whatever. But the interesting thing to me about that story was that story was that car that he was driving was bought with a lot of stolen money. And then in the in the end that car was stolen from him. And then the guy stealing the money, uh, I think his life worked out fine, but I don't think his parents pressed charges, but I think they disowned him for a while. So I think he paid for his his crimes. And then, you know, the other guy I think is doing fine. I think he had the least to do with it. And uh, I think he's doing fine too. And, you know, I'm happy that they're all doing fine, but uh, such a wild story. Um, just, I mean, I, I just, I used to hang out with some of the roughest crowds of people, but the thing about it was I did used to hang out with these rough people that used to fight all the time. They were always stealing. They were always beating people up, but we always had a good time. Like people never got in trouble hanging out with me. Like my, some of my best friends, we would hang out all the time and we'd never really have any problems. And then when they weren't hanging out with me, they would go to jail. I'm like, guys, what are you, because I was always kind of the guy where even as a kid, you know, people would be like, hey, let's break into this house. And I'm like, nah, let's not do that. Let's go back to my house and play Nintendo, you know, or let's go out into the woods and play in the creek. Like, I never was just into stealing, and I never was into stuff like that. And two, I mean, this may seem crazy to people, but I think God has always protected me. I mean, I have wrecked cars so many times, and I've never hurt other people, and I've never hurt myself. Um, And it's just amazing. I've been, I mean, I was... I mean, I'm sure I've shared all these stories, but and I and I will share them again in, in, in maybe a greater detail. But you know, I got I got shot in the chest with a BB gun when I was you know five years old by my cousin. It went in my chest through my lung, and the BB is still in my back. Like it's been in my back for like 35 years, 33 years. I mean, that's an uh, an amazing length of time. And had it gone, you know, it had it gone six inches, maybe less, four inches to the other side, it would have went into my heart and I would probably be dead. But I just feel like that I've always uh, been protected. And it's like uh, a lot of times the people around me are protected too. And I just think that's a beautiful thing. And um, uh, pray for our country. I don't know what, you know, what you guys are up to, but pray for our country. We've had an election. There's stuff going on. I'm sure there's nefarious things happening. Pray for our country. Um, you know, 
I love telling these stories. I love telling these stories of, of my childhood and stuff like that and doing rough things because I don't, I don't act like that now. And um, it uh, is fun to look back on them and know that I was, you know, saved from all of that. And, um, you know, no matter where you're at and your life right now, there is hope for the future. There is hope for the future of our country. There is hope for your future. Um, you know, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through right now, uh, you could be in the worst time of your life and it seems like it will never end, but it will end. I recommend reading the book of Job in the Bible if you're ever going through a tough time. The book of Job seems a bit repetitive and seems a bit long. And I've always thought the reason is, is because when you're in those times of trouble and times of torment, it does seem like it never will end. So I feel like the book of Job is like that in a sense to illustrate how long the suffering can last and how long it can and feel. But it will end. Do not lose hope, you know, and there is something out there. You know what I mean? I, I, I find it that it would always be the hardest for me to be atheist or agnostic because how can we look around at our world and think that nothing, there is no plan, there is no orchestration? I mean, um, you know, the plants take in carbon dioxide and breathe out oxygen. We take in oxygen and breathe out carbon dioxide. It's the perfect thing. It works in harmony. There's so many things in nature that work in harmony, that go together, that make this all function together for there to be nothing, for it to be an accident. The reproductive organs of the body have always been the most perplexing when thinking about evolution. When think, I, 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 you know, like... Um, the uh, Darwinian theory of process of elimination makes a lot of sense to me. But going from, you know, uh, nothing to something is the more confusing to me because reproductive organs are so complex and you would need them to reproduce. So it's just like thinking that there was no creation um, and that there is no God uh, is just, uh, I don't know, it's a theory that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't, you know what I mean? So I'm just thinking aloud here. So I just, um, you know, I just, I want there to be hope for you. I think that those types of theories lead to no hope, that you believe that you're an accident and you believe that there is nothing when you die and that this earth is all that there is. And I got to admit, if I believed that this earth was all that there is, oh man, I'd be sad too. Because this world sucks. You know what I mean? Like I'm having a good time. Like my life is good. I When I say we're having a good time, I mean it. When I get done with the podcast, I go do things. I think I'm going to go to Lowe's, maybe Best Buy. I don't know. Maybe I'll just walk around in the yard with my socks and shoes off and just connect to the earth. I don't know what I'll do. But I be, but the world sucks, right? I mean, it's like everywhere you turn, there's some other crime and awful things happening and people are angry and people are sad. So if I believed that this is all that there is, oh man, I would be sad. But I don't. I don't believe this is all there is. So therefore, I rejoice in knowing that when this life ends... I'm going to go to a better place. And uh, uh, it's amazing, and that's a good feeling. And I want everybody to have that feeling. Pray. I always say this to people. If you really want answers, just pray. And if you're not, if you're not religious at all, to you, praying will just feel like you're talking to nothing. And I get that. But meditation is important. Pray, meditate. And just see if you connect to things around you. Just see what happens. Pray. Say, hey, pray to God. Pray vaguely to God and say, hey, God, I'm looking for some answers. Show me some answers. And answers will come. It may not come the first time. Be diligent. Do it every day. But they will come. 
and it will be amazing to you. And you can believe anything that you want to believe. You can believe that this is stupid. But when you reach a hopeless place where you're searching for answers, it doesn't matter how stupid something seems, you want those stupid answers over more hopelessness. And that's all I'm saying. All I'm saying is I want you to have a good time. And I want the, you know, words to reach you and for you to uh, feel like that you have higher purpose than whatever it is you're doing right now because you do. You have a higher purpose. I have a higher purpose. And our purpose is not to just be here working a nine. That doesn't mean quit your nine to five, but our purpose is not to just sit around and work a job all the time, making money for our employers, making money to pay taxes to the government, making money for ourselves so we can pay rent just so that we can get to the next month and repeat. We have to do those things because that's, you know, the world we live in, but that is not our purpose. And we all have purpose. Whether you feel like you have purpose or not, you do. So feel great in knowing that you have a purpose and you may not have found it yet, but you will find it. And I appreciate you guys listening. I hope you've enjoyed these stories. I hope that you've had, uh, you know, some fun uh, with, you know, with the jokes, with this and that. I hope it's not lecturery. I don't know if that's a word. I, I try to make up my own word there. Lecturally, I don't know. I can't even repeat my own word. Preachy. I hope it doesn't seem preachy because I'm not, I'm not telling you to do anything. I'm trying to offer words of encouragement and hope. My Facebook got hacked. I've been trying to build a Facebook page for about six to seven years, and it got hacked. It got taken from me. And honestly, I could care less. But I just want you to know, if you get messages from my Facebook fan page looking for nudes or looking for money, don't send it to them because it's not me. Um, it's not me. If you get it on Instagram, it is me. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, uh, I won't be asking for any of those things because, uh, well, because I don't do that, but also because, um, you know, um, well, it's wild out here. But I want you to know I'm not going to be looking for those things because uh, so that way if you get a message like that, you know it's not me. So that's the point. I got a little confused on what I was saying. But the point is don't respond to those kind of requests. Hey, thank you for coming out. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for those that come to support shows. I'll be in the Grove in Lowell, Arkansas this weekend. Oh, uh, I've been talking about doing shows in Houston. Uh, those shows have been canceled. I've made posters with Houston on there. They've been canceled. They never put me on the website. I'm not trashing the club. I love the club. They're great people. But they were concerned. Everybody's lost money this year. They were concerned that, uh, that my ticket sales may not be what they're looking. So they, uh, they instead hired Damon Wayans to come in and sell out the weekend. I'll be back in Houston at some point. I'm sorry it won't be this time. I was looking forward to being there. I, I really like the city. Uh, and I was hoping to... Uh, See my friends Aid and my friend Barry Laminac. But I won't be able to see them this time around. Listen, thank you very much. I appreciate you guys listening. We're having a good time. <laughs>